0: Prologue. He dreamed again of the Swordmaster. He leapt, kicked, and spun, the long, gleaming blade slicing arcs through the air around the ethereal figure opposite him. The twilight, neither dawn nor dusk, cloaked the Swordmaster's face in shadow. The boy saw only the glitter of brilliant, intense green eyes in the indistinct face as he danced with the sword. Left hand to right hand, then in both hands, the boy's sword sprang back and forth in answer to the swordmaster's flowing motions. The boy moved like a living flame, thrusting, parrying, attacking, and defending. The sword felt like an extension of his arm, a living part of him just as surely as his hand and his arm were part of him. Around and around in the strange light they danced— The boy heard the swordmaster's voice, patient, quiet, calm, instructing, always instructing, guiding him, directing him, focusing him. The swordmaster allowed no mistake to go ignored or overlooked. Each error brought the dance to a halt, and the clumsy or incorrectly performed maneuver repeated until it was flawless. "'You must flow like water with the blade,' the swordmaster said. "'You must swirl like leaves in a wind. You must never be still.' Give your enemy no opening, for if you do, surely his steel will cleave your body. You must seek out your enemy and learn his weaknesses before he finds you and exploits your own weaknesses. So the boy danced until the sheer exhilaration of the contest swept him away. His body moved, lithe and precise with the needs of each exercise. His movements, stylized and distinct, flowed together easily, and he knew the satisfaction of winning another step toward perfection. When the contest was over, the swordmaster vanished. Instead of waking as he usually did, the boy found himself still in the dream landscape. He stood at the foot of an almost symmetrical hill in that mystic, transitional time between sunset and dusk when the sky to the west was still streaked with light and color. Bands of red and orange flamed behind the hill, illuminating the triple ring of standing stones that circled the summit of the hill like a diadem imposing menhirs arranged in an outer ring stood starkly black against the luminescent sky crowned in pairs by massive lintels the middle ring of stones bulked slightly smaller gracefully joined all around by capstones polished like jet to reflect the incandescent glow of the sky the inner ring standing alone without lintels was not a ring at all but a horseshoe enclosing a low altar stone behind him loomed the vast cone-shaped bulk of a mountain taller than any of the other mountains in the soaring crenellated ridge behind it he did not have to look at it to know it was there in the dream this place was familiar to him known and welcoming he knew all the rivers that gathered the waters of those mountains and drew them down to the distant eastern sea hundreds of leagues away he waited at the bottom of the mound conscious of the weight of the long sword on his back the air was warm yet, and the fresh scent of crushed grass beneath his feet rose strongly around him. A breeze stirred gently and ruffled his hair, which glowed redly in the fading light of the sunset. Casually, he lifted an unhurried hand to brush away a lock of hair that fell into his eyes. A man appeared in the opening in the foot of the horseshoe, dwarfed by the giant stone dance. He came forward slowly to look down at the boy watching into the bottom of the hill. The boy could not see the man's face, but knew he was not smiling. Giving the impression of great age and wisdom, the man stood quietly, erect as one of the menhirs, unmoving, watching the boy there at the foot of the mound, and the boy found himself transfixed by that piercing, distant gaze. The man on the hill spoke. In spite of the great distance between them, the boy heard him clearly. So, he said, his voice soft and welcoming, you're mastering the sword I sent you. A welcome gift, Swordmaster. It was always for you. I am glad you have awakened at last. The boy smiled. No, he replied, speaking as quietly as the man. I am here only in a dream. Of course, the man said. But in dreaming, you awaken. He raised one hand. The time will come when you will know. Yes, the boy said. It will come. The last of the light faded, leaving the mound and the stone circle starkly silhouetted against the pale glimmer of the sky. As the boy turned to walk toward the black bulk of the cone-shaped mountain, the landscape began to disintegrate and disappear around him.